This is the CFL This Week. Welcome to the CFL This Week. What an outstanding end to week four. And, of course, we've assembled an all-star cast to kind of break it down, look forward, look backward. And, again, let's start off with our, again, our all-star roundtable where we do discuss the issues of the league. And, as I said, looking forward and looking back. Let's start off with uh, Brody Lawson, a veteran of the CFL, longtime uh, reporter, and, of course, with TSN. And, and she may know a little something about the horses as well, too, and get to get us all ready for that, as we said, talk about for the Queen's played and what's coming up uh, a little bit later in that Canadian Triple Crown. We got to say congratulations to the like of from the Hamilton Spectator, Steve Milton. 35 years of service to the Hamilton area. Congratulations. Thank you for joining us there, Steve. Okay, great to see everybody. And Glenn Suter, of course, I mean, we've heard the voice, we've seen the pretty face, and we're looking for, of course, so happy to have us in our roundtable here from the TSN set and, of course, in the broadcast booth. Folks, let's start off right away with what's going on here. We're opening game of week number four, the Hamilton Tiger Cats get that first win. A lot of controversy going into the week about who was going to start at quarterback. Jeremiah Masoli hurting with ribs. They enter Dane Evans, who was the hero from 2019. He goes 15 to 20. 183, two touchdowns, no mistakes, was sacked six times. But I think, as he would say, most importantly, Glenn, he got the victory. What I want to know is going into Labor Day, because Masoli's injury doesn't seem serious, what are the Tiger Cats going to do? Yeah, it's a good question, and it's a good problem to have if you're Coach Steinauer because uh, you want basically two quarterbacks that you can win with. Hamilton has that. You know, I think if you weren't watching the game and just looked at the numbers from Dane Evans, you would say they were pedestrian. I mean, he didn't hit 200 yards passing, two touchdowns, didn't throw an interception. But you mentioned the pressure that he was under, the sacks that he took. I think the Montreal D-line got after him. He had to, you know, really manage that game well and not turn the ball over, protect it, but still make enough plays. And so... I guess to answer your question, my thought is, do you really mess with the win in the short term? Because if they are two starters and not one starter and one backup, as coach said, coming out of camp, well, it looks like it may be Dane's, Dane's turn, at least in the short term. Steve, what did you see? Yeah, Steve, what did you see in week three that you didn't see in week one or two? Well, I agree with Suits. Uh, basically, that the, the conservative nature of hanging on to the ball, game management. I think it, it's a it's a very derogatory term for the most part, but I think that's what it was in terms of making sure that uh, you know that you don't you take a sack rather than than throw the ball away. Uh, although that wasn't the option on most of those sacks. I mean, he was he was getting sacks, and and don't forget about the tackles in the backfield too, the one that got Speedy Banks. So the, those were close to what be would almost be sacks as well. You know, so. So uh, this offensive line is still a, a, a work in progress. And, and one of the reasons I would think uh, suits that, 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 uh, that the original start of the first two games was Jeremiah Masoli was his little better ability. They knew where they're going to have trouble with the offensive line until it gels. Now they've made a lot of changes there and there there's been injuries and Van Zyl's injury is way bigger than, I don't mean it's a, it's a worse injury. It means the impact is bigger than people outside of this city would really understand. Um, so I think the, his ability to sort of avoid the early sack is one of the reasons that Jeremiah Masoli was in there in the first place. Uh, I think, they, they, I don't think you mess with anything here. I think you have to go with the hot hand here. And it's not 
a very hot hand, but but it's it's hotter than it was in the first two games for either of them. So I think, yeah, you've got to you've got to give the nod to Dane this week and give him the whole week of practice at the A reps. Brody, you've seen both of these guys play, and of course, Masoli's had much more uh, ability to start with the Tiger Cats. And uh, again, do you go with the hot hand? Yeah, I think these guys are are right. Imagine that the real veterans in the league. Yeah, of course you do. Of course you go with what's working for you at the time. And I think Glenn brings up a good point. When we belabor these points about having two good quarterbacks, obviously, occasionally this becomes a cap issue, right? But if you have two guys that you can pay that are playing well, and you have a culture where that works, and under a guy like Orlando Steinauer, I would think that that would work. It's that kind of a culture in that locker room. I think, what's the issue? Let Masoli get a little healthier, see what Dane can do. And this is not a position that these guys haven't been in. And this is something in the CFL we see we see every year. This is a conversation we have all the time. And I think if anything, it creates, we've heard it before, good competition. It'll give Masoli some time to heal up. And I think that works. Uh, we'll find out what the coach does, because that's certainly, as you know, Steve, going to be a hot topic in the city of Hamilton. Let me move this yeah. along here. Uh, week four in the CFL, total combined points scored in three games, 37, 36, 34. We have all watched and followed the Canadian Football League for years. We have always said, and I don't mean to bring up the comparison, but I will, that it's a more offensive and explosive league than our friends to the south in the National Football League. These scores don't represent that. Uh, Steve, what are you seeing so far in terms of offenses and defenses? I think this was entirely predictable, um, partly for two reasons. Uh, the length of time off for key players, the number of key players that didn't return this year, uh, and and no preseason games. So it was really hard. Uh, defense is reactionary, um, and and uh, you, you, you basically can generally be ahead. Normally at the start of a year anyways, I think you can find defenses are ahead. Uh, but I, I think it – this has had a little more impact than I would have expected, but I think I don't think we would have had the same situation last year uh, had they been able to get going because teams didn't have that whole year off. But this, I think, that's really, really showing. It really showed in the timing. Um, I think it even showed with Hamilton. Uh, they had uh, um, uh, Speedy Banks finally open once deep. And and Dane Evans quite isn't quite there yet with the timing of that throw, or that would have been six as well. Brody, are these games boring to you? No, absolutely not. That's what football is all about, right? Um, but I do think what Steve was saying, I was, I was pondering this as you were asking the question. I was wondering what you guys were going to say. And I thought, you know, offense is so, how do you practice? How do you take that much time off when you don't have the opportunity to practice at tempo, at pace, right? It's, it's so it's such a different beast than defense. Of course you could make the same argument, right? But I think offensively it makes a big difference. I don't find it boring and I don't think CFL fans do either, even though we know that that high powered long ball offense is what we love about the game or what many of us love about the game. But to Steve's point, it will change, right? Once these guys get used to being back playing, once they get in the groove, once they've sorted out their offense. And then of course, physically, right? I mean, we've got to assume these guys were able to um, maintain some level of strength training, but depending on where you lived and what you had access to, you might not have had the opportunity. Now, your question about offense versus defense, it doesn't really work, but I just think generally, I know you could make the argument these guys are professional athletes, they should be showing up ready to go, but I do think, 
you know, let's be realistic about what's happened in the last year, year and a half. And um, it's going to take time for everyone to get up to speed. And I think whether we like it or not, or whether that's kind of what we expect, that's just the reality of the situation. Glenn, you're at the broadcast booth of these things. You see, very, from your angle, you see many things that we just don't see on the television cut. Uh, are, are we seeing cohesive offenses? Are we seeing some struggles? Yeah, no, you know, I think, first of all, I love the defensive games. I mean, I'm a former well, of defensive. Course you do. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a former defensive back. So, you know, I think we've we've become accustomed to you know, watching an interception and saying it was a mistake by the offense rather than watching an interception and saying it was a big play made by the defense. And, you know, that's, that's fun to watch too. So, you know, for, from a broadcast point of view, any game that is a one possession game in the fourth quarter, give me that anytime. It doesn't matter to me how many points have been scored. As long as it's a one possession game, then we've got a good finish. And I think that's what keeps eyes on the television and fans excited in the stands. Having said that, I I, I do believe it's just a theory that offenses require timing and chemistry at a higher level than defenses. I, I, I really think that just with good effort and flying through the football, you can overcome mistakes defensively much quicker and easier than you can on offense. You can't, as a receiver, if, if you're off in your timing with the quarterback, you can't just run faster to make it up. You, you, sometimes it's, it's running at a, at a half speed to find the hole in a zone defense, for instance, that needs to improve for that chemistry to be created between quarterback and receiver. So I, you know, I think that without a preseason and the shortened camps and the protocols, I think that's affected offenses a little bit in their timing and chemistry. It'll come, but, but I think for the next probably couple of weeks, maybe, maybe it blows up on Labor Day, but if you've been taking the under all this year, you're, you're winning some money. <laughs> <laughs> you certainly are. It's great that we can freely talk about this right now, too, the over, the under, the point spread. It's such a change in, in our mindset in terms of, of the game. I mean, it, we've heard it for years in the it, with the National Football League, but I think it's exciting that we can talk about that with the CFL now. Now, let's stay with this sort of point situation, this point scoring. I'm going I'm to list off what the Ottawa Red Blacks offense has produced in three weeks of football. 12 points, 10 points, 16 points. They have one win and two losses, which, you know, you mean with that point production, you would kind of wonder. I think obviously we're talking about the quarterbacks, and I know you guys have done a great job of explaining why the offenses might be uh, behind the defenses in terms of getting in sync. But getting in sync to me is starts at the quarterback. And Glenn, I'll I'll throw this to you, Matt Nichols. Um, we talk about elite quarterbacks in the Canadian Football League, and I'm wondering: is he elite? Is why can't he produce more offense around him? Because he has a coach, in my opinion, that is very offensive-minded. Yeah, I mean, Matt. Matt has a, a winning record, so you know, I think you start there because, again, we often say with the quarterback that it's about winning, and if they can get, you know, that winning record and, and get their team in position to take a playoff run, make it in the playoffs, and then take a run to the cup, then you become in that conversation of elite quarterbacks. Uh, but in Ottawa right now, I think there's two things I'm hearing. One is that protection is an issue, and the other is that they don't have enough around uh, the quarterback in the receiving core to give him enough help. Um, if that's the case, either way, then an athletic quarterback that can buy time with his legs may be the answer. That may be what kickstarts them, because there's two ways to, to beat those issues. Quick game, 
which pr protects your old line because if you if you're struggling up front and getting the ball out of your hands quickly, that will help. Or an athletic quarterback that can run around and create, and that's what Dominic Davis is. So, I heard I heard Paul Lapolice say it's time that he evaluates everything. Um, I suggested a week ago that Dominic Davis may be an option here to kickstart this offense, not to throw Matt Nichols out with the bathwater, but just to say they need something. They need a spark. Well, I mean, uh, we've got this situation where we're hearing that the 14 game regular season, Steve, uh, you got to get things done quickly. Yeah, a slow start in a 14-game season is a lot different than a slow start in an 18-game season. There's no doubt about that. But I, I, I think one of the situations in Ottawa, and I think you ever look around the league and how they're, they're, they're the, the top better teams seem to be are able to combat the the shortcomings that that Glenn has mentioned uh, about Ottawa. One of them is uh, is running game. And and maybe it's their offensive line, but they haven't really got that established either. So that's a third problem for them as well. I think they're relying way too much on Ryan Davis. He's going to be overcovered. They got to find Daniel Peterman and people like that a little bit more. Those secondary and third, third, third and fourth receivers. But if you haven't got time to check down uh, because you're getting harassed and you're not you're not mobile and you're not being able to give it off with any kind of success on first down on the running game. You run into a problem. Hamilton, for instance, ran into that in the, in the first game, but you take a look at uh, the teams that have been doing well, they're, they're establishing that running game. Well, Montreal, when they were winning when they won, they were, they, they got, they got good work out of the backfield. Uh, uh, Edmonton, or sorry, Saskatchewan and Winnipeg as well. And those are real good antidotes. It's a third weapon. Uh, you, you, that means a team can be a lot more, it can be two-dimensional. Right now, Ottawa is is not even one-dimensional on the offense. Uh, maybe, maybe they have something on that line as well. I mean, there, there are a lot of teams in this league with line problems right now. It's disguised by some wins against each other, but there's a lot of offensive line problems right across this league. Brody, this team had once William Powell as their running back. They had Greg Ellingson as, as a guy that was outside. Have they lost too much talent and relying on guys that, you know what, that need to learn the game and really get uh, in, in tune with the quarterback? Anytime you overhaul a program like they've sort of done, whether deliberately or not, you're going to see issues. Glenn mentioned it earlier. There is something to be said for chemistry. There is something to be said for chemistry when you've had this much time off and then Let's not forget that Matt Nichols had shoulder surgery. I know it was a while ago, but to not be able to play at that game tempo we were talking about with guys that he's used to playing with, um, that takes a while. And I know how hard he works. I went down to Spokane, Washington with him and worked out. I know the, the dedication he has, but that doesn't mean that in week three, week four, you're like firing um, the way that you have been with a completely new team. And, you know, also the ups and downs he's had, you know, can, you know, being with Toronto, being traded, like there's a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes. Of course, Matt Nichols is an elite quarterback. I just, this guy just, I, I am a Matt Nichols fan and I just, he continues to work hard. And I, and I think you're right that the offensive line seems to be an issue the run game seems to be an issue. And Baba, you make a good point. I, I think, um, yeah, anytime you overhaul a system, it might be too easy to just point to the quarterback, even if there are issues there. Um, and we'll leave that to the coaching staff to, to determine and kind of figure out as they go. I think one of the most serious things that's going on, I think going into this season and probably will continue to be as a, as a dark cloud over, I think, sports is the COVID question. 
this week, only three games were played. Uh, there should have been four. The week should have led off with the Toronto Argonauts hosting the Edmonton Elks. Uh, unfortunately, the Elks have run into, I think, what I would call serious COVID issues and forced the CFL to postpone the game. Now, I know there are a number of rules and a number of ways to get in and around this. They would like to get the game in. I think we all know that. But with the compressed schedule, guys, I don't know how this is going to be done. Glenn, is it time to just award the Argonauts a victory? Uh, well, I think, first of all, with the Elks, that uh, you know, we, we wish and hope that, that they all recover from this. I think this is sort of lost in this discussion that, you know, 14 players, 13 players or staff got COVID. And, you know, we hope for a quick recovery for all of them first. But when you're talking about the logistics of, of what do we do now, we have to strengthen protocols. We have to get on top of this. I, I think it's in everyone's best interest to try and reschedule the game because it did happen so early in the season. But it, it, the, the league, in my opinion, needs to make sure that they, if there's going to be a competitive disadvantage anywhere, it's the Elks that have to face it, not the Argos, if that can be possibly done. Um, you know, and, and the message has to be a strong one from now on moving forward that protocols are going to be strengthened, vaccinations are going to be pushed, and if you're not vaccinated, you still have that personal choice, but there's going to be many, many hoops for you to jump through on a daily basis to make sure that this doesn't happen again because the game is in jeopardy here, not just the team or the player. This is our league and the game continuing, and we got to make sure it doesn't happen again. I couldn't agree more, and and and, and I think that it's it's uh, a situation that that I don't think you have to, to to make a decision today, but I think you've got to do it for 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 exactly what Glenn was just saying, an expediency standpoint, so that you put a lot more pressure on everybody else all the time, uh, it, it, and we don't have this happen again soon. So you need to make that decision fairly soon. And I, you can make that, I mean, we're gonna know what the scheduling issues are. Uh, very, I mean, they know what they are, who, who can play where, when. Uh, and so I don't think there's much that should be able to delay that. And so I would say sometime in the next week or so, it, to have the effect that the forfeiture rule is meant to have, which is to put pressure on the players and, or sorry, the teams and therefore the players themselves to uh, to make sure that they they comply. And and uh, it, it's not much of a rule if if there's a competitive advantage that goes the other way. So this game can never be played in Edmonton. This can can that the rescheduled game cannot be played in Edmonton. If it if and if it can't be played in Toronto, that's not. Toronto's fault. Uh, I'm sure it can be played, but a lot has to do with who's playing when and the number of days between games. But you should be able to know that within a few days. And I would say by the end of uh, by the end of Labor Day, don't don't shadow Labor Day with this. But right after Labor Day, make that decision. Brody, your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, it's it's such a scary situation, right? And I and I go back to what Glenn says. I mean, you just think of everyone in these positions and. And, and thinking about this question, you feel for everyone, you feel for guys who did the right thing and got vaccinated and now they're testing positive and the ramifications on their families and the people around them. It just, the whole thing is so sad and so scary. Um, is it a perfect solution? 
No. And that's, I think, what's so frustrating is we could talk for 40 minutes, an hour alone about this topic and try and come up with what is the right thing. We're sports fans. We want to see this played out on the field. It feels deeply unfair for something just to, you know, for a team to be awarded a win, but it should, it should happen, right? It's, it's, it, if, if that is the only way, but yeah, you want to see this played out on the field. The issue is, which we've already addressed is the condensed schedule and the fact that the Grey Cup is already in December. I'm sure there was no you know, from the league office, maybe there, maybe there could have been, I'm sure they did discuss an opportunity to add in some wiggle room um, for these games to be held throughout the season. But with that, with that December gray cup, I'm sure that wasn't really an option. So I agree with Steve too. I, it would be great to see it happen before Labor Day. It'd be nice to kind of move beyond this, but um, there's just no perfect solution. Is there like, I, I wish, no. I wish we had a suggestion. I wish we had a great, I don't have it. And I, and I just, I'm just thankful we have football back. And I think, you know, I hope this doesn't happen again this season, but it, it might. And so we should be prepared for that. And um, yeah. And just kind of be prepared to be happy to have football back. Steve Brody, Steve Brody and myself, sorry there. We've all been in locker rooms and, and um, Glenn, you played the game. And I asked Davis Sanchez this question last week, and I'm going to ask you the issue of COVID the issue of vaccination, is that something that can tear apart a locker room? Absolutely could, but it could also galvanize you. It could also bring you together. And, you know, I, again, I, I think we, while still respecting everyone's cho- personal choices when it comes to their, you know, their medical decisions, um, we can respect that. But this is, this is the commitment that you have to make for your teammates for the game, for the game you want to play and, and the game that you appreciate more now, having missed an entire year, you know, I, I think all of that is part of this equation. And I, I will say, quite frankly, it would be a red flag for me if a player was choosing to do, make the individual choice instead of what's best for the team in a lot of different, you know, ways that's a red flag. So yeah, it can, it could definitely pull teams apart, but it can also galvanize you. I think we strengthen protocols. I think we make it as tough as we can. Listen, every player had the option to opt out. If they didn't want to live with the, the consequences of this and the protocols, they could opt out. Brendan Labatt did it in Saskatchewan just because of protocols. So now you've made the choice to be, Make the team bigger than you. So that means you got to get vaccinated or you got to be tested every single day and you cannot leave your apartment while, uh, while you're here in Canada playing football. And we're, we're, we're coming up to a situation where, where even charter flights might be affected by this plan. Yeah. Right. We thought charter flights would be the way some way around this where you could have a, a non-vaccinated and vaccinated with it, but it, Maybe we'll see what, what exactly it is when the regulations do come down, that, that, that suddenly this becomes even more serious, uh, particularly in the West. Uh, Hamilton, for instance, would really, if they, if they, let's say they had a few players that, that weren't vaccinated, they could for all but one game for the rest of the time now take, 
take either a train or a train or or a bus to to the rest of the games. The West, almost every game is is an air flight game. So if, if it if it affects the charter, that's that's really going to have a divisive. Not only it's going to have a really competitive problem, but a situation of a person can't travel. How do you get somebody in? Are there enough players on the practice roster to to move somebody into that type of thing? This isn't just a football issue. Like this is. This happens in society all of the time where you have to sometimes measure the the common good above individual rights and responsibilities and desires. And so I don't, you know, it would almost be unfair to limit this to just a, a locker room argument because this goes on in society all, in society all the time. It's why we have courts to, to, to put one principle ahead of the other. Uh, and I think one, it's pretty clear what that principle has to be when there's something so deadly or potentially deadly as COVID out there that has to be the common good. Or to Glenn's point, you opt out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, like yeah. if you were given the option, you were given the choice, if that's the choice you want to make, common good, or maybe it's not for you. And otherwise now you're putting teams and management and the league in a position to have these make, to make these choices, knowing full well, you know, you should expect the unexpected when it comes to COVID. And so if this is going to affect charter flights, shocker, like, you know, expect the unexpected. This is what we, this is our new reality, you know, don't expect to ever get comfortable in any certain way. Well, folks, I mean, this has been an outstanding chat. And of course, we take a serious conversation like COVID and the Canadian Football League and what's going on. And we look forward to arguably the greatest weekend in CFL, and that is the Labor Day weekend. And we all look forward to it. Glenn, we certainly look forward to hearing you on the broadcast. Uh, Milty, big game at uh, Tim Hortons Field, the home opener for the Tiger Cats. Uh, and Brody, of course, we look forward to your input on, on the CFL on TSN. It's been an outstanding chat. This is the CFL this week. We thank you, Brody. We thank you, Glenn. And we thank you, uh, Milty, for joining us. And we'll talk next week. Thanks again, guys. Thank you, everybody. Got to catch a flight. <laughs> <laughs>